0: Hi, peeps! Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate. Or visit me on Patreon. Thanks! Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. This is a, an episode—it's a request, actually. Um... Sorry, I have like allergies, so I'm a little nasally and uh, probably doesn't sound great. So I might be sniffling apologies in advance. Um, This is a request um, of a topic. It's about emotional spending, but also just other forms of self-soothing that are not fulfilling or helpful. Um, So this person asked about emotional spending because they tend to buy things when they're stressed out and they have money issues as a result of that. Um, So this is kind of like a, I guess, a power-up. I'm going to talk about some other soothing habits that we have that do not help us. Um, For some people, that's shopping. For some people, that's eating. And for some people, that's things like exhibitionism, like, you know, posting things that get lots of likes. Maybe that's like, um, you know, wanting attention from other people, like wanting to be hit on, that kind of stuff. Um, So as you guys probably remember... I have been obsessed with the book Lost Connections and one of the connections he talks about in the book is our disconnection to like meaning and purpose in life and we have been kind of conditioned to feel like there's a lot of value in external stuff uh, when in reality a lot of you know stuff does not make us feel fulfilled or like better our lives are better. Um, for the most part, it just abates a feeling of hollowness or uh feelings of anxiety and um discomfort of around self so he talks about like the acquisition of stuff is just temporary; it makes us feel slightly less anxious and less bad, but it's fleeting. Because the goalpost is constantly moving forward. So in other words, acquiring the right stuff is like a job. It's like a constant process of acquiring newer stuff and then other stuff and then other stuff. And that's because we are checking kind of, um, we're trying to check internal boxes of happiness based on external standards. And that is, so it's just really like, uh, it's never fulfilling. You know, it's like that thing where you feel like you're not satisfied and you see so you keep like trying to snack on stuff, but it's like you're not even hungry. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling before. Um, so, in other words, these habits never add to the feeling of our sum. And we're kind of, this is just me like, I don't know if this is going to make sense. I'm just going to go into like my weird brain dump from a couple nights ago. This is, stick with me here. I feel like we are all constantly working, like we have all these like programs. If you think about like a computer, and you open up a program or a phone, and you open up an app, and that app kind of keeps running in the background. um, I I want you to start thinking of these apps as things that are also in your life. You have several apps that are, let's call them preoccupations, or, or things that demand a lot of focus and maintenance in your life. And they are like little mini, you know, programs that involve lots of things to do. So one of those things might be, you know, your job. One of those things might be your relationship. One of those things might be your podcast. One of those things might be your gym routines. And when we're like plugged into this app or this system or this program, we, a lot of our brain power and a lot of our thinking and busyness and loops of thinking um, are, they just absorb big chunks of us. Like, we don't even realize they're there. And it's its like, you know, just like when your phone's on, there's apps on in the background. For Like, for me, those apps are the loops of thinking that come with school, like doing homework, um, that come with doing the podcast, like writing podcasts, researching podcasts. Um, there's, like, many loops of busyness that come with, my job, like my day job. So these are like my little routines or worlds or programs that I get wrapped up inside. And I, it's like, you forget to see outside of them. You don't even realize that you're stuck inside of them because they come with their own rules. They come with their own criteria that you have to accomplish in order to feel comfortable. And like, it's a version of unconsciousness in many ways. Because you're just operating in this very insular loop of like, I have to do this, then I have to do this, and then I have to do this, and I have to have these things that go with these things. Um, so it, it's just, it much, so much of our life can become quickly unconscious, and all of the real estate of our, think, our thoughts and our feelings becomes programmed in. And what happens when you can unplug from any of those programs for a brief moment is you can see how spacious and calm reality is. Like how long time is, or how, I guess, okay everything is. How kind of beautiful life is, and how pointless a lot of that stuff is. It's so unnecessary. Um, And when you kind of get that moment of clarity, when you're just in the present moment, it's just like, it's so magical outside of all of those thought loops programs apps and it's really really hard to get those moments of clarity because we're constantly you know we have to, we have itiner- you know we have a big schedule we have to fulfill on a daily basis so my one of my most recent goals for myself is to step outside of the thought loops and see what is possible like for real like what is possible what am i not seeing there's so much space um Everything is not black and white. We don't have to do the things we think we have to do. And maybe we don't actually want to do a majority of the things we normally do. So it's like remembering that your definition of reality is not necessarily true. And I guess taking a step back from even noticing that you can step back um, to see, like, the space surrounding what is your normal everyday life. Like, what's the gray? I don't know if any of that made sense. Um, So I would say more than anything, it's like fostering a quality of consciousness. Um, The closest thing I can relate it to, like this present moment feeling, it feels like when I used to be at my grandparents' house in the middle of the day. Like they had like real clocks, you know, like a, I think it was like a cuckoo, cuckoo clock. So it was like you could hear the clocks ticking and everything was really quiet and there was no TVs or anything. It was just them like, you know, reading Or preparing a meal and you're just really connected to you know whatever that moment holds it's just a very different quality of time and it's I feel like in that feeling you can relate to you know all you are simultaneously connected to everyone that ever existed in time And everything that's possible. It's like you become connected to all other human beings. It feels very immediate and powerful. Uh, I know I just went into like super weird hippie stuff in that last sentence. I digress. Um, My point is, we get really wrapped up in just loops of like soothing, of gathering. We become hamstery. And I think that's just because we have... Uh, all of these, like, things we are supposed to do all the time. I find myself, you know, going to Amazon to, like, add stuff arbitrarily to my cart. And I'm like, why am I doing that? It's just a habit. It's like a habit that's slowly become more and more reinforced. Probably because it, you know, gives you little hits. Um, I'm just babbling right now. I'm gonna go into the podcast itself. Here we go. Part one, the what? When you feel upset, lonely, hollow, depressed, and groundless. Or maybe you just feel meh, like something is just out of reach. Maybe you feel like a sense of emptiness, like something needs to be scratched. Like you're not enough, or like life or today is not enough. But you can't tell why exactly. it's, It's sort of like a feeling of hunger, or a feeling of longing, and searching for fulfillment. Or for you, maybe it's more of a sense of discontent and annoyance, um, like frustration with life. Part two, the why. When it comes to emotional spending or filling that void, what we are doing is we're looking for a booster. Like we're looking for a high, a hit that helps, you know, us feel a little better. It helps our brain chemistry get a little high, just the tiniest bit. So we're self-medicating a sense of longing or emptiness. It's like the body feels hungry, but we don't know for what, because nothing quenches it. So what happens in the brain is the neurotransmitter that is associated with that feeling of a fix, or it's it's basically we're hitting the pleasure center, um, and we're getting a hit of dopamine. So dopamine dopamine is not only something that releases when we have sex, but it's also something that releases when we have delicious food or we learn something new. Um, it's also what's released when you are gambling or you're in flow or you're using cocaine. Um, so when it comes to, like, shopping, well, the same exact thing is being released. So if you're, like, scoping out new stuff on the Internet, getting little hits and if something is on sale or if there's like one more left we get an even bigger hit so we get a chemical gush of pleasure um, that's like more intense so there's something called a shopper's high uh which is a real thing and that is kind of you're you're basically getting high like you're you're getting exactly the same thing in your brain that gamblers get when they go gamble um, and as I said, there are other things that can induce this, this chemical state, like this boost. So things like swiping, if you're like swiping in a dating app, or snack foods that are high in fat and sugar or salt, um, chocolate, or if you are anticipating doing any of those things. So the searching process is equally titillating. The same thing happens when you get lots of likes on something or you're anticipating looking at whether you got not lots of likes on things. It releases this, like, hit in your brain. But it's very short-lived, and it evaporates immediately afterwards. And what happens in this process of kind of reinforcing this addiction in yourself is, like, you're getting little hits, you're getting little hits, and you grow a tolerance to it. So you have to do more of it to get an equal outcome. So it's like it becomes an addiction. Because now you're, it's like the behavior, you're doing more of it to kind of create the original high. Um, not to mention, in our reality of our experience, we have given weight and value and importance and time, like life real estate, to these external things. So it's like in our experience of our own narrative, we're like, oh, likes are important and they make me feel happy that would be my puppy being annoying right now um they so we're also equating things like shopping with quenching or fulfillment and that's because it's just like giving us that little hit so it's like we're mislabeling the connections to the things in our life so when researchers looked at the brain during like people shopping what they found was like people who who have less of an addiction to shopping, have activation in their pleasure center, but they also have activation in the insula, which is like where you process pain. So those people are experiencing the foresight or the forethought of like knowing what that thing will cost them in the future. So those people are like less likely to have bad, you know, shopping habits because of the fact that they're all simultaneously like, "Ooh, I want that thing." Oof, but I'm going to not have any money afterwards like that kind of process. Um so in in other words, the people who have shopping addictions or are, are more vulnerable to that, it's like you might have a lower functioning dopamine um receptor or receptors. They're just not firing as well as the other people. Um so all of these things are ways people self-medicate and they really don't help and people who are shopping addicts also by and large have depression and anxiety so there i think in reality people who shop are just trying to self-medicate depression and anxiety it's like that's the origin of the shopping addiction not the other way around that's my personal opinion Um, so this is because we are wanting a specific kind of satisfaction and that is the kind that will make you feel like a more quality human being, but that does not come from your stuff. Granted, the stuff doesn't hurt, you know? I mean, it's like if you don't feel like really confident, it can help to wear clothing that makes you feel powerful, but that's not what defines who you are and it does not um you know if if you're searching for happiness in those things solely and you're not also able to feel like a very worthy person then it's constantly reliant on the external thing does that make sense so like i i'm a fan personally of wearing things that make you feel like strengthened but if the only thing you have in your life is clothing that makes you feel strengthened, then if all your clothing goes away, you are you feel like a piece of shit. You know, you feel worthless. So it's really important to keep both. You know, you have to, like, reinforce the inside. And, um, you know, on the other hand, it's also hurtful to your bank account if you're constantly acquiring. And when we... Um, when we do focus on acquiring it's like the value of it leaves so quickly especially based on the timeline our culture exists in it's like new it's like everything is new every single day or every single week i feel like things move a mile a minute things evolve a mile a minute so it's like whatever was new yesterday it's like you're already past tense as soon as you acquire something you know oftentimes it's like oh but now there's a newer thing that everybody has Um, And so if you struggle with money, I would say it's all the more reason to really look at this equation in your life, whether or not this process is translating into actual value in your life. I used to call money sand because it would just, I felt like I would just see it slipping through my fingers. Like I had no idea where it was going or why I didn't have any of it. And that's because it's like, you have to watch it. And if you don't, grow up with people who teach you how to do that, or if you don't have like a culture in your home that really practices like, you know, financial skills, it's like, it's very hard to learn it on your own. So I'm going to have a couple of tools that allude to that in particular. Um, And then a lot of the tools are really based around like fostering that feeling of worthiness inside and how to do that. So with that, here's part three, the how the tools. All right. Tool number one, microscope. Uh, so this is for money because we inherit our our relationship to money in part, I would say for the most part, from our family, our family of origin. Um, and that's just like it, it kind of creates our frame for money and like our values and our relationship to it. And also just our skills. Like if you don't learn skills from your parents, it's like where you're going to have to learn it from like a friend pretty much. So if you are a person who cannot seem to hold on to it, I want you to think of your bank account as something to be viewed through a microscope. Just become very intimate and like annoyingly perceptive of like all of the details, just study it. When it leaves your account, what the majority is spent on, uh, percentages, like just get to know like your spending habits, just study it so closely. And also just make note of all the things like, for example, if you were to go through your bank account, look at everything that is not a necessary for survival type of thing. Like you cannot definitely like there's rent, there's water, there's power, there's school, there's gas, whatever else there is. And then look at the other stuff. What are you spending money on? What are the biggest numbers on in your bank account? And then like literally highlight them and look at has the value, the literal value of that thing translated into your felt experience of that thing. Is it as valuable as it is in dollars to you in your life? Um, And if not, then that's something just to like become hyper aware of like, oh, shit, I bought really expensive shoes and I didn't wear them. I'm going to never buy, I'm not going to buy any expensive shoes anymore. Like just not going to do that Cause that's not a risk I want to take. That is an anecdote from my life. Um, so this habit, this microscope thing is not like forever. It's something that you have to initiate in yourself. If you are a person who is not natural with finances and know it is not fun, but it's almost like you're teaching yourself to give a fuck. Like you're teaching yourself by deliberately. And if you are, I'm a terrible, I'm terrible at math. Like, I mean hilariously terrible at math. So if you are also terrible at math, this is your way of, like, getting out a calculator and just, like, examining actual numbers and where the sand is going. Um, And after a while, it'll just become second nature. It won't feel like the most tedious thing in the entire world. And just know that if you are not a person who's savvy, you have to work harder than everyone else at doing really basic things around money just stare at it become acquainted with your patterns that's it and what happens when you do this is you just become less unconscious about your spending and then and things become like because so many of our addictions are by default unconscious it's like we're going into that you know soothing state where we're getting the chemical gush and we're just like we're not thinking so when you can become very conscious and remove the unconsciousness that's like the main culprit behind this addiction um so you can think of this process as like it's the process itself is separate from the content meaning you could swap out this object this fetish this addiction for anything else you could be fetishizing porn or likes or donuts it's just about the hit so just think about this as like i'm i'm slowing down uh, something that has previously been unconscious and I'm making myself super hyper aware of what is happening in my life in a very real way. All right, the next tool, pull the red cord. So I want you to picture yourself like as if you are skydiving and in order to move away from the eventual outcome, which is hitting the ground, you've got to pull the red cord. In many ways, this tool is just about reframing the meaning of an action that you're already taking kind of unconsciously. So, in the moment you're shopping or you're doing XYZ, I want you to really almost relish um, the experience in your own mind of like anticipating doing that thing. And like think of yourself as like, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm right now in this like moment of like experiencing my fix. I'm fantasizing about doing the thing I'm about to do and like in that moment pull the red cord like I'm a, I'm a junkie I'm getting my fix I'm pulling the red cord before I hit the ground you've already gotten your dose and now you're going to save yourself and you're going to pull the red cord by that I mean like click out of the browser throw away like throw your phone across the room turn it off But really conceptualize the experience of like shopping in this case as, okay, I'm getting my dopamine rush now. It's not in the actual hitting purchase. It's in the process, all the ritual around it. The entire experience is part of what releases the chemicals. And when you can feel really present in that process, it's like, um, it's almost like you're reframing it so it feels like you're more... Involved and more in control. I don't know if that made sense, but I hope it did Um, And what happens when you can do something like that when you can zag in the midst of a process that was previously very um, You know ingrained and unconscious when you can change that behavior once and it, it will feel like impossible but the trick is just to be able to zag and like throw the phone or get out of that situation once. If you can avoid fulfilling the outcome once, you have fractured the blinding spell. Like you have just weakened, you've disempowered that loop. And you've also made yourself aware of how to do it. So it gets slightly easier the next time and slightly easier the time after that and slightly easier the time after that. And maybe you've, ha- you've been successful one time or a couple of times. But then you have that feeling that kind of still haunts you, like you're just keeping it at bay and it's in the back of your head or you're just waiting to go back to, you know, whatever, the cart. Like you're waiting to return to that thing, almost like it's like a specter is following you. Um, I I know this sounds crazy, but like that feeling is a good sign because when you're in that stage of I'm trying to uh, keep this at bay, this like annoying Obsession at bay, you are actually working out these muscles of self control. Like you are stretching your capacity in that very moment. In that suffering, you are building up resilience and tolerance. And the goal is just to stretch it out a little bit longer and a little bit longer. Delay, distract, delay, distract. That is the ultimate weapon. Because what happens is eventually it passes. It's just like you don't know when that moment will be. Um, and this works with all addictions that are unrelated to shopping as well. For me, that was like, uh, with my eating disorder. This is exactly the process that kind of, this is, if I were to break it down into details. All right, the next tool is called self-excavation. This is is probably best done with a journal. So I want you to look at the map uh, that is your life, all of your life experiences. Um, because often we can't really tap into our unconscious beliefs when we're in so many like apps and loops of behavior and loops of solar systems of all the things we have to do around these little different identities. So what I want you to do is just journal about your life experiences, all of the experiences that have made you feel the most joy and um, of a genuine nature what have been your most rewarding moments when you felt the most, um, you lost yourself the most in like f- flow, but also just in, you didn't feel like so self-conscious. It was more about giving of yourself and and feeling like a really good person. Like when did you feel the most valuable and the most um, important and like yourself? And also, when did you feel, like, the most satisfaction and the most joy? Um, And what I want you to do is really just, like, write all of those moments down and, like, kind of line them up in an order and see, like, trace a line through them. Like, what do they all have in common? Um, Another prompt is, where have you felt the most at home? And I think what you will find, or one thing that I I assume you will find in those when you look at them is the joy moments come from when you are giving of yourself, you're giving of your gifts, not when you are building yourself up. It's not when you are like, you know, saying like, look at me, look how awesome I am. It's like when you feel like a good person, when you're proud of how hard you tried, when you're, you're proud of what you were able to give to somebody else. Um, And also the moments when you felt You shared something with another person so this is really just to look at the reality of like does external stuff really come into play when i look at like what makes me the most fulfilled in my life um okay next tool is called egg swivel um so i have a giant green egg which is a smoker it's like a ton it's probably like i don't know 700 pounds And it has a stand it's kind of a dinky stand and it's really hard to rotate it but it makes all the difference in how you open like the vents on the outside of the egg (laughs) i know this is not the most relatable (laughs) anecdote but it's a memorable visual so i'm sticking with it um okay so the reason for this visual is i want you to think of yourself and your life like a big green egg and it's off kilter like the vents are blocked by this stand and you just need a tiny rotation so that you're pointing at the right you and the right you. So you're using the right data. And that data is able to actively make your life something that makes you happier. Um, so now in your journal, I want to you to ask yourself two questions. First question is, what do you value? Uh, Like, what is important to you? What are your most important values in your life? Really just go into detail go to town on this question and then the second question is what do you spend money on and i want you to like literally open up your bank statement and look at the answer on your you know on your credit card statement like where does most of your money go not including you know the essentials and just compare those two do those things line up and if not You've got to figure out some very concrete steps that you can take to align just tiny, just tiny, tiny movements, like one tiny inch of pivot in the next month. Something you can make very conscious for yourself um, that will tweak those two questions so they line up a little better. You know? Like, if what you value is, like, quality time, maybe, you know... You're saving $100 so you can take a vacation with your best friend in a year. Something like that. Okay. The next tool I have for you is kind of a Lost Connections um, inspired tool. So, and this is, I mean, take this with a grain of salt. The tool is, what does the feeling say? Um, So Lost Connections is really about, like, the core causes of widespread depression and anxiety. Um, So this is a journal entry for, like, a way for you to self-examine. And I want you to ask yourself, um, what basic human needs have I not met for myself in my life lately? And what I want you to do with that information is, like, if you have feelings of emptiness... Um, there's probably some grain, some origin to that feeling. And I want you to ask yourself, like, what is that feeling trying to tell you? What is it pointing to? A lot of the times it's like, we feel like we're not enough, we're not far along enough, we don't have a partner, we don't have XYZ. And a lot of that is just a label. We stick on some core value as a human being that is not being met like the basic human needs are like you know um, we need to have a feeling of agency we have to feel like we matter we have to feel um, like we are are a good person I mean they're they're really basic things we have to feel like um, we matter to other people and um, the last step in this journal entry is I want you to ask yourself how can I take Uh, a fullness or wholeness pill right now, like meaning what is a corresponding action that you can take that will improve your quality of life in the long term, like what's an action you can take today or um, like a tweak you can make to your life today and I mean a really and I, I mean stuff that will make you feel better on the inside. So like a cheat sheet, (laughs) these are silly, but like a cheat sheet for an action you can take that will make you feel more whole on the inside is like doing something kind for someone you care about or someone you don't even know or giving your money to someone who really needs it or being out in nature, like being connected to something that's bigger than yourself, being humbled and taken out of yourself um, or being around someone who connects you to something Uh, greater than you, like someone much older than you, or doing a spiritual practice like prayer or meditation. So I would allow yourself to journal on this and think about, like, what are the real underlying feelings pointing to? What are the basic human needs that I'm not meeting? Okay. And the next tool is called value cash. So I want you to think about getting... um, some internal value like cashing in and feeling a deeper kind of gush um and warning this takes a lot more time and energy but it's very much worth it so by that i mean like i want you to start to try and build up in any possible way things that will make you feel like a valuable human being on the inside so this is one you can try as like something that's very quick and easy to try if you want. You can go to kiva.org um, and loan $25. It's like, I think it's actually created by PayPal. Um, but I want you to spend a long time looking through the causes and reading about what all of the people are going to do with that money. It's So you, you're basically giving loans to people all around the world. Um, and I got to say, out of all the causes I've donated money to, just getting repaid a loan, a, like a few dollars at a time by in my case, it was Jimena in Bolivia. It just gave me such a good feeling because I was really happy that she was doing well with her business. And so I was really excited about this other person's project and being privy to their success. Um, regardless of if you tried Kiva, I feel like the main thing in this tool is like, just keep top of mind as you move through your next month in your life, anytime that you can bring joy to others or help others. Like anytime you can help another human being, Do it, Uh, compliment them, hold the door for them. And each time you do that, imagine you are getting some internal cash, like you're getting an inner value buildup. Like you're just like, you're you're a piggy bank and you're filling up with gold coins. And I think we're trained to measure ourselves like by this portrait. Like we look at the portrait and we think, where's all the stuff from? Are they the right stores? Is that stuff new enough? What about my makeup? Is it flawless? What about the number of likes? Do enough people like me? And as we know from research, that stuff only abates the loneliness and the hollowness. But it immediately evaporates. And yet we kind of jumped on a treadmill and we continue to pursue that hit. So instead, you know, you're looking on the inside like, how full is my bank? I gotta keep doing nice stuff. How can I feel like a good person? via my actions. And how can I feel like I matter to other people? How can I like feel connected to others and have conversations that are are worth having that are deeper than you know Game of Thrones or whatever the other show people are talking about now. Um I know that was all over the place, but I hope this is helpful and not daunting. Um So in closing, I want to thank all of my latest sponsors, Ally Alexis on Patreon, thank you so much. And Paige via the Yay with Me site, thank you so much. And I have a new monthly sponsor via Yay with me, Lacey, thank you so much. And a new Patreon supporter, Jenny. Thank you so so much. I appreciate you guys immensely. And um if anyone out there has the means for a donation, it helps me immensely and if you don't, I totally get it. If you could share this with someone who needs it, that is wonderful as well. Um, so in closing, this is your new life goal that I want to offer to you. <laughs> you like that I'm dictating your life goals? Um, but I want you to, your life goal is to build up inner value. Like, feel like a really good person who is well-meaning, who who tries to be a good person, who is accountable, honest, interesting, and beautiful because of who they are naturally exempt of all of their stuff because your truest portrait is you if you lost everything you own and all the computers all the phones in the world went and they shorted out and then there were no more stores and it was just you and everyone you love and maybe you had the clothing that would keep you the warmest on and you're all standing in natural light. And there's no more structure to society. It's just like the earth was just born. And you're wandering around exploring. So imagine that person. They are wandering. They are playing. They're talking. They're hanging out with all their loved ones and their friends. Minus all the stuff. And all the routine things you do are gone. All the badges. All the titles. All the school. All of it's gone. So look at that person. Do you like that person? Who is that person? How do they commune with others? That is what makes your smile truest. So the things that bring value to your inner world are experiencing deep connections and deep understanding from others, doing things for others, making others happy, and experiencing acceptance in moments you are having difficulty accepting yourself. In other words, it's like unconditional love, giving it and getting it. Unconditional love is one of the most valuable wonderful things you'll ever get in this life and it's rare and it's healing and it's powerful so if you want to boost your inner sense of worthiness that feeling of wholeness i want to encourage you to practice giving unconditional love to yourself if there's someone else in your life who is beautiful beautiful enough to give that to you as well just be around them bask in it um And I know that if you have a harsh script for yourself, it can be really hard to act with unconditional love toward yourself because you'll be battling conflicting narrative. But all change starts just by taking the right actions. So if you can take the actions of someone who is unconditionally loving to yourself and allow your voice to be that of an unconditionally loving person, that is how you you can initiate change. That was how I kind of started to build a sense of self-love. It felt silly and arbitrary, but over the course of a few months, it actually started to work. So I hope this helps you, and I hope um, I hope you swivel that green egg, <laughs> and uh, don't forget to smile.